0: This, this is DC, bitches. I feel like
1: Donald Trump. Donald Trump. I say what I want. Okay. I go where I want. You are in
2: The Swamp with Marcella Aberdeen and Karina
3: Gutierrez. Hi, this is Marcella. And this is Karina. And welcome to The Swamp. We're bringing you all the latest politics, culture, and style gossip straight from Washington, D.C. AKA the swamp. Some people want to drain the swamp, but we love the swamp and we just want to introduce you to some of our favorite characters. Cool. So. Today, um, we're here with
2: Pablo Manriquez, who some of you guys might know because he went viral during the DNC WikiLeaks scandal. He was one of the characters that was exposed, so we'll talk to Pablo about that in a little while. We're also here with True Franklin, who's actually the Bernie Sanders of DC, so we have two really special and interesting guests. To to... Very
3: swamp-like creatures.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Would you call me? (laughs) (laughs) So we're gonna start off with some local headlines, or with some headlines. We're gonna talk about Ivanka and Jared. Apparently, they are
3: horrible neighbors, and there's
2: some colorama drama.
3: There was also a protest last night in front of their home.
0: A what? There the was uh, an
3: LGBTQ um, demonstration. It was actually a, It was. They were. It was a. It was also merged with uh, green issues. Oh, environmental issues. Right. So um, this happened last night in front of her home. Did, they
4: have, did, the, did the protesters have like an ask? Or was it just sort of like they wanted to... Yes. Or was it just sort of like generally... <coughs> you, you don't typically associate Ivanka and Jerry Kushner with anti-gay, you know?
2: Apparently they were the ones who like uh-huh. saved the like LGBTQ rights in the workplace. Okay. I mean, who knows if that's true. But, well, the real issue is, is that the neighbors are pissed off because apparently... Um, issues like noise, traffic inconvenience, and living on the same block as the political figures. So people are pissed off. We have a Georgetown resident with us, resident with us here. Um, Ivanka was actually looking at their house, so no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So she's gonna put in put her input way into this the, neighbor situation. We, we have
0: an oh. audience here that's what a live Marcel studio is audience. talking about yeah, they, they don't want to talk they didn't, well she's just they she's in the general to... neighborhood
1: so she's gonna weigh in on I what just she dropped thinks by. yeah <laughs> I hello and i found a podcast call, so i was like I, I need to see what's going
0: on here okay but i heard a rumor that yes. uh, you and ivanka don't trump were having talks <laughs> to sell your house to the to the trumps right
1: well i mean not no not, not it didn't happen that way actually we didn't even know that they were coming because you know there's this um realtors don't really divulge who's coming to see your house which is a good thing because if i knew that they were coming i'd have spruced it up a bit more <laughs> no i'm just kidding um it just uh yeah they 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 did come and look at our house and uh we um yeah we're i mean you know the house was on the, on the market so it's it's but what were, you were not saying true.
2: something too earlier about the neighbors complaining, like your thoughts yes, on the neighbors mean, complaining.
1: Yes, I mean, it's a little bit naive. I mean, if you live in Colorama or Georgetown or these places, it's a little bit, you know, prominent places, and you have politicians living there. So it's it shouldn't, if, if, especially if you've been living there for years as a neighbor, it shouldn't strike you as something, you know, surprising that you would have these kind of inconveniences right. in the neighborhood. It's, it's not something, you know, unique or you yeah, know, I think so strange. strange security so,
3: detail go through these neighborhoods is definitely. Um, this is just part of living in DC. Yeah,
1: I mean, I sympathize completely with the neighbors. I've had that happen multiple times in our neighborhood, but it's it's par for the course living in Georgetown and Kalorama. So it's. it's
3: yeah, so different. I wonder if if Ivanka is being unfairly um you know sort of targeted by her neighbors and the media or if this or if there are legitimate complaints because it is such a common thing in dc absolutely so it's really strange that they've taken it to their anc well i
1: mean it depends on how also Ivanka's handling it i mean when we were doing construction on our house it was an inconvenience to our neighbors so we kind of handed out free car washes to everybody oh. <laughs> over there <laughs> To kind of like, you know, say sorry, but you know, for the inconvenience it's happening, it's gonna happen, but sorry for the inconvenience. So uh, just uh, wonder how she's handling. This that. is also
0: just this is what ANCs do. I'm gonna get in trouble for saying this, but ninety percent of ANC meetings involve people complaining about. We've noise, had so many. We've traffic. had so many
1: against us when we were doing construction, it was insane.
0: Oh, that's the worst. If you if you're trying to get or have obtained a construction yeah. permit and you're yes. Wait, did you... What's that... Um, What do you call it? Like, additions to the... Uh...
2: We were trying to ask for, like... Variants.
0: Ads. Variants. Nah. What do you... Oh, pop-ups. Pop-ups. Do you have a pop-up at your house?
1: No. We Is were
0: pop down. We, we were... So we came even. They were yes. pop-downs. <laughs> yeah, so we were,
1: like, even with the other houses. Yeah, so it's Interesting. Just, yeah.
0: Because, you know, that's, like, a big thing in D.C., these yes. pop-ups. A lot of people are adding, um, basically, like extra floors or so they're extending yep, top extended. floors in their houses
1: i mean that's understandable. and it, DC, you want like you want the most space that you can get because dc get well
0: dc has these um kind of iconic i guess like uh blocks of row houses mm-hmm. right yeah like it like a uh, house of cards yeah. shows them prominently in the opening credits yeah and they have so, so you have like a straight um, and they're all, like, sight close line. to each other.
1: And you can see, like, how the neighbors would be, like, annoyed because they're all... Everybody's so close quarters to each other. And so that would be-
0: Right. And then when you have a pop-up, it goes from being, like, a straight yes. kind of uniform line exactly. to... To not, and a lot of people feel some type of way about that.
3: So yeah. there was a there was a government official that made a statement, right, about the about oh, the Kushners. former
2: Obama. Hold on, let me get the statement. He had worked in the Obama. So it's somebody administration. who works in the administration
3: currently, but was appointed, is that he right? He said yeah, they, uh, they,
2: well, he was an Obama appointee to the Consumer Product Safety Commission. He lives across the street from the residence, and he said. The family has completely taken over the street as if they have the authority! Exclamation point.
1: Well, the thing is that it strikes me (laughs) also. Trust me, I'm not like defending the Trumps or anything like that. But just to be objective a little bit, the Obamas did close down that street. They're in the the neighborhood too. They're they're in in the neighborhood neighborhood too. Completely,
3: And the truth is that the Secret Service does have the authority. Yeah, he's like they they pretty much do what they want. But it's it's funny how. how it's the couple that's being blamed for it, you know, so I... I wonder, um, you know, yeah. if it's unfair or if it's warranted. This kind I mean, concept. that did, she
2: does make a good point. Like the Obamas are probably doing the same thing. They but, are like we I do live that. in a blue quote unquote city, and I don't think anyone who lives here is particularly happy that the Trump's I saw,
3: you know, I saw on the Daily Mail yeah. that somebody <laughs> for... came out of Sorry their that... home. <laughs> there was a woman in Calorama that came out of her home in a fur coat with a glass of wine to watch the protest. A neighbor, one of Ivanka's neighbors. <laughs> that- so, that's so
1: No, that's
0: so Calorama. But that's drama, drama. Other
1: neighbors.
4: That's that
0: Calorama really drama.
1: That's good. Yeah. Okay. We people in Georgetown do not do that kind of thing. We stay <laughs> yeah, in our exactly. homes. We stay in our homes <laughs> and, nice. and fight
0: about construction in your in your.
1: Yeah.
2: Yes. Okay. Cool. Well, now, you know, let's talk to our guests a little bit because we have some two DC famous people with us today so like pablo you worked at the dnc i did yeah um you got a lot of attention when the wikileaks dropped can you talk to us about why that happened well first i'm just going to read you this headline the life of pablo wikileaks makes internet hero out of unruly former dnc employee are you really an unruly employee
4: uh i'm a former employee (laughs) um so yeah it was um it was it was kind of a weird thing we had gotten warned two weeks before um the leaks came out that they were coming because there was a news story about it or something like that. And the thing that sucks for me was I was, I had just moved on from the DNC maybe like a month before. So I'm sitting at this new job and I get I see a news story that basically says that all of my emails are going to be exposed uh, from my previous job Mm -hmm. and my previous job being like, you know, sort of an operative in a political hatchet shop. It was like, I, I didn't know what to expect because there was no way for me to go back and see those emails. Like I wanted to read back through them and see like, what can I expect? So the only thing I could really do is just kind of forget that it was going to happen and wait, you know, I, like, you know, no sense in stressing it over it, but just be ready you to be like, all
2: stressed
4: out. just for a minute. But then I was like, there's nothing I could do about it. Um, I work in communications. I know what, like a good crisis, uh, I, I, I've worked in enough, enough crises from a communication standpoint that, you know, um, I figured I would just have to rapid respond like crazy and, um, you know. I mean, it's, it's, one of those things Like you, you don't know what every email you've ever sent says, um, you know, so in a situation like that, let's say one night you were mouthing off or you were gossiping behind somebody's back or something like that by email. Um, no, I, I didn't, I couldn't think of any instance off the top of my head of anything I needed to be worried about. Um, but at the same time, you know, I didn't yeah, know. It's your personal email. Yeah. So we were at the Republican national convention in Cleveland, um, and we'd gone to the Kid Rock concert like the night before, so we were like, we were just a little bit rusty in the morning. Yeah, it was it was like the the Republican National Convention in Cleveland was just a terribly sad event. Like it's kind of like a party that was just fractured uh, in front of everybody. And as a Democratic Party operative, of course, there was like a little bit of glee there. But the part the, between the parties, like the operatives, there are a lot of friends amongst us. Like I have a lot of Republican operatives who are friends, and and, and on the other side too. So um, it was it was just kind of it was it was bleak. But the Kid Rock concert was fun. So we get up the next day. We're driving back to DC. Um, and one of the people in the car with me was just like, Pablo, man, you're blowing up. Like you were blowing up online. <laughs> and I was just like, I can't deal with this until I get some food. Like, cause I was just, so I was like, All right, I'm, I'm just gonna ignore it. Um, until we get to the closest Cracker Barrel, which was, you know, maybe like 15 <laughs> minutes away. So I sit down and, um, you know, we, I order food and just as I like, just as I, I remember, I had given my, I give given my order to the waitress and she's walking away and my phone, I was, a, I, I got a text message. Um, And it was a reporter because I've been blowing up on Reddit all morning, and a bunch of random people were texting me like from all over the world, saying like, "Hey, you know, we love you, man. Like, hang in there." Um, But so
3: uh... so as a millennial, were you excited um, to sort of have this internet fame, the sudden overnight internet fame? I mean, that almost sounds like every millennial's like ideal situation, right?
4: Uh, yeah, no, I mean, in, 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 the moment, like, so basically I think 1400 of my emails were on there and it took a while for like me to kind of relax a little bit because I want, you know, it's, it takes a while for the internet to read like 1400 of your emails. because <laughs> it basically, it's just, people are kind of skimming off the top, like the F word. Um, if you put the, uh, F word in the, uh, um, in the WikiLeaks search for the DNC leaks, it was all emails chains at me or about me, but none of them were from me. So I never actually dropped an F-bomb by email. So but well, if you had an F-bomb to mean, drop, you know. You
3: were sort of singled out because there were so many care. right? I mean, how many people, you know, there were so many people that I know also that were worried, but they haven't even been mentioned. Um, so why do you think you were singled out in this
4: way? I think that the reason why I was on so many emails is because um, I was the TV booker. And TV booking is a lot of logistics, so it's a lot of back and forth. It's a lot of negotiations, and it's also a lot of negotiations and logistics with like with people in in the public light. So if you're gonna go on like uh, a, t- a television show, like CNN, Wolf Blitz, or like Situation Room, or something like that, everybody kind of knows what that is. So, it has that draw to it. And, like, if you were emailing, like, the director of surrogate outreach or something like that for the Western region, that is a lot less sort of. I mean, you know. I think
2: you also got attention because people told you to fuck off.
4: Yeah, so it, I, I didn't <laughs> know. The email. I didn't know if it was okay to use the, uh, the F bomb. But, yeah, so the people, it was fuck off Pablo was the thing. That was what set it off. Like, does
0: that. Yeah, are we, are, are we allowed to curse on this show? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but so, my question, gone. Yeah, so right. my question is, okay, so just for some background, like Pablo got into this email spat because... Peep, they, Debbie Wasserman Schultz was supposed to be booked on an early morning cycle and she had a party. No, she had a, a softball, game. A had softball a, game practice. She had a yeah. softball game practice. So she yeah. was trying to cancel her early morning. Like She wasn't.
4: Her, 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 pe- handler. her
2: handler was. So Pablo was getting really like, Are you guys crazy? We can't, we have to beat like the Trump news like Trump keeps beating us in the news cycle. Yeah. Um, and it got very colorful, the conversation. And basically it ended with like them telling you to fuck off and go fuck yourself and all this kind of stuff. Well, do
3: you have any thoughts on that now? Since like your when, when people say
2: things to like, were you upset at the time that that happened?
0: Yeah.
4: No, definitely not. Um, I didn't email like, you know, any, um, anything like that, like nothing like that popped up about me. Um, the thing that was, the, so here's what was an issue. It was a six twenty AM hit. And we had a uh, news angle for CNN. So if we had canceled the hit, then their whole show falls apart because they had booked guests after that to talk about that hit. So I didn't care. I just wanted to make sure that we were there at 620. Like Booker, I, I don't think that like in politics, especially in campaigning, you can't really take stuff personally. Um, I think that like uh, another reason why I came out well in it was because I was really, really square with all the Hillary and Bernie people. Um, I didn't think that either uh, campaign was any good at booking TV, uh, and I made that very clear to them. And everybody knew that I was really good at booking TV. So, um, you know, there was no complaints on the TV side of things. So, in the, the producer side of things, everybody knew that so you could call me and I'll get you a Democrat. If I couldn't get you Debbie Washington, Schultz, I could get you another. Dem- I would, I would find somebody for you who is prepared to go on TV right. uh, or radio in that case, in that in that place. So, um, because TV is such a coveted thing in Washington, in the sort of fame market. Um, if Wolf Blitzer wants you on his show um, and you're the principal, like Debbie Wasserman Schultz or somebody like that, um, if your handler doesn't tell you um, that that was the case, if they say, you know, well, um, you know, sorry, she can't make it. And they just don't bring it up to her. Like she will see Wolf Blitzer at like an event at some point, you know? Um, And he might say like, oh, we've been trying to have you on the show or whatever. And then that falls on me and that's not going to happen. Like everything's going to be fluid. uh, And then because uh, you have to deal directly with the principal, it's a very difficult schedule. And then you have, a, uh, you have to deal with the show that is a very coveted piece of media real estate. Yeah. So everybody in between, um, you know, can go fuck themselves in essence, because if there's anything that falls apart in that chain, um, your credibility is done as a booker. You just have to be on time. You have to be logistically sound. So you could yell, you can yell and scream at me all you want. But I was gonna get my hit time. They didn't move the hit time.
2: So she you know? she went on at six twenty. She
4: went on, and there was no issue with the other ones. Like we were, like, I mean, it was it looked. So I think that when you hear "fuck off, Pablo" as a term on the internet, you think of like a, a little Mexican boy who's getting picked on. You know, I'm six foot three. Uh, I'm a pretty imposing. <laughs> I'm a pretty imposing figure. I grew up in Missouri, um, and I'm not gonna lie. I was like you know pretty loud, and and and, and, and it was it was a, kind of a loud and brazen was, uh, place to work.
0: Wasn't Pablo a character on Napoleon Dynamite?
4: Yeah, uh, Pedro, 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 yeah. Pedro. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Damn. Um, I but yeah, I think it was just the Internet, though. Like the Internet saw this thing, right? Uh, and they, so they
2: saw it, this right? hero. They thought that you were a hero. Why were you the hero?
4: I was here because I did my job, and I was did right by Bernie and Hillary's people. Like the, the DNC's job was not to take a side. Right. The DNC's job was to make sure that all of our campaigns were positioned to beat Republicans. So you it's,
3: it's talking about taking a side. So you're a former DNC employee, but you've been very vocal in the media lately um, against President Obama and um, President Trump. No, no, President Obama oh, okay. and. Um, you know, some of his failures in regards to immigration. Do you want to talk about that at all?
4: Sure. Um, So what we have right now is, and I think that for context, you have to remember that right now what's going on with President Trump um, as a result of uh, more than anything else, Steve Bannon's influence um, is an escalation of the deportations. Uh, of mostly Hispanics um, and it, just families are getting ripped apart. An entire nation of Hispanics basically is going into hiding and you have this pivot on the left um, where, it's, where there's, it's basically like Well, this is what happens when you elect a republican but i think it's important to remind people that when we elected the democrat he totally betrayed hispanics Mm. from about the first six months of his presidency till the very end
1: isn't president obama he has the most like he's he's the president who supported the most that's certainly the case and but but they're the president
4: but there are so president obama deported about 2.8 to 3 million people Um, uh, at one point, I think it was around 2010, 2011, um, those deportees were 98% Latino. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and that's important because this is, uh, I mean, granted most undocumented Americans are Hispanic, but you know, it's not, it's, it's, it's probably, you know, in the seventies, 80%, it certainly isn't that high. They were targeting specifically Hispanics and a lot of it too is border entries and stuff like that. The white house had like a very sophisticated way of, um, spinning, mm-hmm. uh, about, you know that the but they but at the end of the day they were doing the wrong thing like, and people understood this so what you're seeing now though is that the border crisis of deportations um, is becoming like this thing that people like us saw on TV is a border crisis ICE agents immigration and customs officials are actually starting to arrive in like you know suburban neighborhoods in you know Champaign, Illinois and places court, like that
1: courthouses courthouses schools,
4: schools yeah. yeah
0: so can I weigh in yeah. on okay. this oh so,
4: okay, yeah. um,
0: all right by the way um passing the mic around let's keep doing that okay seems to be the natural kind of inclination Okay. anyway um so yeah so uh, my understanding about this um somebody challenged me on this the obama's on record is having deported more undocumented immigrants than any president in history um and I think, I think this is significant regardless, but there's a caveat here that um, early on, in order to appeal to the tough on immigration American like, voter base, they changed the way that, depor- that deportations are recorded. Mm-hmm. So it used to be that um, someone who was caught crossing the border mm-hmm. and immediately deported Was not that wasn't recorded, that wasn't um, included in these figures. It was just people who were already established working Mm -hmm. illegally, um, you know, residing in the United States, Mm -hmm. and they went through that whole process. They went, that was what they kept track of before. So if you look at the statistics, it's like this huge spike under Obama. But um, I guess the counter argument is that they changed. the the numbers are deceptive because they change the way that they're recorded. But my kind of response to that or question about that, though, is like, well, they wanted... The Obama administration wanted to appear tough on immigration. So that still uh, contradicts now this kind of narrative now, Now that the Republicans are back in the White House, now they don't... Now the Democrats are opposed to... Yeah. something that they that both parties engage in to, to the, it's it's not even it's not a partisan thing and yeah. i don't think well, it's and, and Pablo, it's, the, know, it's an american thing
3: um so you know obviously because you're a former dnc staffer um you know it could probably be a little bit sensitive to go after president obama um especially like you're you know you are a young professional in dc you have to play like you know everyone knows you have to sort of play the game here But you're obviously really passionate about immigration, so you've decided to speak your mind and you're not afraid to go on TV and point out, um, you know, some of President Obama's failures in regard to immigration. But do you ever worry that that like as a young professional, that that's going to come back and hurt you, you know, in a city where you do have to play the game and sort of, you know,
4: I think that the game doesn't favor. Um, yeah, so I, 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 I've been told that actually a lot when it was, when, especially when the WikiLeaks were happening, um, I was approached by a lot of people sort of like, you know, tertiary elements from larger figures who were like, this town has the longest memory ever. You're, you know, doomed. And I was like, well, you know, the internet has a much longer memory, I'm guessing than, um, anything that we've ever had before in that regard, in terms of like reputation and in terms of, uh, um, you know, sort of that sort of thing. And and all I ever did was my job, you know? Right. Um, and I did it really well. And since then, that's all I've really done. So um, maybe, I guess, like if this town elevates people who are. I
2: mean, I think history is more important than this town. Uh-uh. So you gotta be on the right side. And on the of flip side,
3: how do you feel about people, um, other people who, you know, from the DNC? Who, have, who really, who, you know, who choose not to speak out, who are also passionate about immigration, but they don't want to, you know, go up against, um, you know, a the former president. That be. Right.
4: Yeah. So I think that President Obama and I, so my podcast such just a quick plug, Life of Pablo. The first few episodes are going to be about people who had their last cigarette. And President Obama, I'd love to have him on my podcast. And as a media booker, I know the processes for putting people on. Now President Obama's process is still sort of something that's being like worked out with his, uh, his his post-presidency team. Like he hasn't been out at all or anything like that. Um, but I mean, he and Trump, I think most presidents, um, I don't see that they're gonna take it that seriously, like that personally. Um, and if they do, uh, that's absurd because, you know, um, at the end of the day, we're not saying I haven't ever said anything, anything that's, that's untrue. Like if you say something that's like overtly untrue, the DNC will like, you know, push back. Um, but they can't push back in or nobody can push back in the sense that their party message was wrong um, about immigration and that it was the case that, you know, it was a sort of um uh it was a lot easier to be a hillary clinton supporter to the dnc than it was a bernie sanders supporter to the dnc for example you know i didn't see any example i didn't see like evidence of us like fixing it one way or another and like um and in my case and what i did which was really like a lone wolf practice of just you know putting you know being a, a fixer between microphones and talent um i was i dotted every t and crossed every i, I was like you know the uh, the Bernie people and the Hillary people both got the same earful when they did things wrong because neither one of them were any good at all when it came to broadcast, um, and that's probably why they lost. Um, yeah. But <laughs> wait, I thought it was Russia. Was yeah. It- <laughs>
1: yeah, I thought
4: we had. <laughs> I, mean, it's, I mean, I think that the Russia thing had 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 certainly it had.
1: I they were out of touch with their base. Yeah.
0: why. I- they wait, were. The- with the Russia thing, go on. What, what I, about, yeah. Russia? I Let's talk Ru- about Russia? I think that don't, the
4: Russia. I don't think that the Russia thing sunk Hillary. I think it was um, the. Camp, like, the camp the Russia thing was an elements that made her unpalatable to a lot of how? people by telling the truth no I'm just saying that there was a lot of back and forth behind the scenes that people don't usually see and that they didn't see on the Republican side but this kind of standard practice in politics
0: be more specific yeah, what kind of back and, back and back forth ahead. and how did that affect Hillary
4: so I think that there was like and I don't remember who was exactly on the email chain but there was like a, sort of like an impassioned back and forth about how to like undermine a Bernie Sanders message at one point and it got kind of nasty yeah I remember that um And again, like I think that anybody like you know, in a conversation like that, I would always be the first one to stand up and be like, All right, don't say that, you know, or like, you know, just kind of put a stop to it right there, because when I, I had the benefit of when I started at the DNC, too, this is an important point. Um, I probably I, I had a, a guy, our, our digital director at the time, come over and just say, like, you know, I think I had, had like I said, a, a curse word or something like that in an email. He's like, well, listen, when we beat the Republicans, they're going to sue us for all our emails um, and that they're, they're going to drag us through like congressional. They, they can't drag us through like congressional hearings about like political malpractice and those other things. So I wrote every email and everything like that when I was at the DNC with that in mind. Um, but. Uh, that said the I think that Russia didn't sink her I think it was um I, I think it was it was her own team that just um were they, I mean I think that they too many of them spent a year and a half printing their White House business cards and not actually trying to win the election. like I, So,
0: so I, yeah. I'm just guessing, but you, you probably, you aren't counting on the DNC hiring you in the future. Yeah, you, I mean, if they want, everything you're saying right now is completely counter to their orthodoxy, at least right yeah, now. Yeah, I
4: mean, I'm not looking for a job, if that's what you're asking. Like the, um, <laughs> I
0: was, you know, see you kind of burning bridges by, by <laughs> I agree with you, but so, I'll, that's I'll, not
4: what I'll, the... Just, but I want to win elections. I want Democrats to win elections. At the end of the day, I, I don't, I don't care if um, the person in there who is in charge is a really nice guy. I don't even care if he's a Hispanic guy. If he's losing elections, he's a loser, and losers don't make it in politics. I remember one time it was the first Sound time like
2: Donald Trump. Well, <laughs> the, the,
4: the, the, the left wing. Where's Ramsey's intro? Well, <laughs> well oh no, yeah, we, well, well,
0: yeah, Well, in his defense, Donald is president. Now, true. I mean, true. Yeah.
2: I mean.
4: But at the same time, if you think about it, throughout Obama's presidency, Democrats lost a thousand elections. Um, the party itself wasn't a winner. Mm-hmm. Um, I did my job, but it was in the context of a, no, of, a, of, a, of, a of a strategy, I guess, that just wasn't a winning strategy. I can talk for days about why that was, because I don't ever want it to be that case again. Right now, our community, like I said before, is going into hiding. I'm doing well because I do my job, and I think that this town does value that much. I can, in,
0: I can see why fuck Pablo was a thing from the <laughs> DNC's point of view. Um, so do, I also think that's why they keep losing. Do, do you yeah. wish, to your credit. Do you wish Thank
3: more you. people would... Cut, like like. like, would be as bold as you are and and be, like, bold enough to go up against their own party? Or do you... um...
4: Yeah, I I wish so. Because, you know, I'm a Democrat. Um, They... I remember when when I first started at the DNC, I was a troublemaker because the DNC had no Hispanics. There were no... I was the Hispanic media director. And when you're the Hispanic media director and you're the only Hispanic in the building, that means that you're a human translator. And I wasn't about to translate a word. And I told them that the day I started. Um, of anything from English into Spanish or Spanish into English, because then that becomes your entire job. All you do is translate marketing materials and, like, you know, talking points and all these other things. You don't actually have any input in the message to Hispanics. You're just taking white messages and making them Hispanic messages. Okay,
0: question. Pre show, we had a discussion about backlash to all the things that. Might be said on this podcast. Am I,
2: I am, by the way, like I'm all about, about. I'm all it? about safe spaces and trigger warnings and all that stuff. I'm taking the piss, but like I don't like. I'm not one of those people who are like these sensitive millennials. I don't think that's what the issue, like in a, in our generation or just in general, is. I don't
4: think, I think that,
3: millennials are. Just, I don't know.
4: Well, I think that millennials are the most. like I think that they're the least likely, to, and you know, kind of goes back to what Karina was asking about you know, about this town and its memory and all the rest. I think, like, millennials are the least likely to identify by a party affiliation. That could um, be true. And I think that, honestly, the reason why is because of, like, sort of the bang for your buck. Like, Tom Perez has an interesting opportunity right now at the DNC uh, to turn it around. And he's, like, branded himself as sort of a turnaround. But don't you advantage.
2: think they made the same mistake with Tom Perez as they did with Hillary versus Bernie and Keith Ellison uh, versus Tom Perez? I
4: did it first um, for, like, the first, like, I don't know five or 10 days of his chairmanship, I was like blogging mad because I, you know, when, when you, when the first Hispanic chair of the DNC comes out, um, he did some Sunday shows and that was nice. But like, you know, as someone who like a lot of America has the TV on all day, like on politics, um, I think it's absolutely unacceptable that I'm watching one Democrat appear on, um, TV for every six Republicans. Um, that's the first thing you need to fix because, Uh, that's the most visible, you know? It's not the most important, but it's the most visible early on. Uh, You know, the most important, obviously, is, like, what Tom Perez has to do right now, basically, is travel the entire country and get yelled at by state party chairs. Like, he has to go around and he has to listen to, like, the last 10 years of griping because they just didn't get the resources, they didn't get the support, and they they got decimated in state and local um, uh, state houses and, like, local legislators.
0: I'm sorry to interrupt you, but now I'm curious about like um the the tom the dnc chair uh race right tom perez keith ellison what was your what was the significance of that first of all and uh who did you support
4: i supported actually mayor uh peter from south Bend. he i he was (laughs) that is so well he was the best tv candidate um okay so you're just
2: in it to win it (laughs)
4: Yeah, I want. I want somebody. Is that what you're supposed to do in yeah. politics? Like yeah, the, I guess so. Media?
2: I guess so. But like, I, I, you seem like you do have like ideals as well. So um con- like, what comes first, ideals or winning?
4: In politics, winning. Um, but definitely. For, yeah. and,
2: okay, and for what you're doing, like all
4: right, in, in elections, winning. And the DNC is an election factory, you know. Mm-hmm. So if they can't produce wins, then they aren't producing anything. Um, and that's the th- that's the case with Tom Perez. Like, you know, if he he gets through the midterm uh, with a slaughter in the ha- in the past. Um, you know, we've allowed for, you know, Democratic Party leadership to lose presidencies, to lose congressional races, to lose Senate races, and to even like sort of um, you know, be banished to the wilderness of like, you know, the Washington politics for long periods of time to squabble and like the nonprofit and sectors as operatives. And then come back in an important media and an important election cycle and lead the party. That didn't happen under Obama. Obama didn't use the DNC. So yeah. a, lot, a
0: lot of people were treating like this DNC chair race as a bellwether of the future of the Democratic Party, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And, and is do you is that do you think that's accurate uh, or fair? And I mean, because it seemed like that there was this it, um, sort of as an extension of like the insurgent base behind Bernie during the primary. After the election, for the first time, um, I guess ever, really, this this DNC chair race was treated as hugely consequential, right? Not just a formality, but something that's going to determine the future of the party. There's a lot of progressive support for Keith Ellison. And then in what seemed to me like a repeat of the, the primary, um, the the party establishment coalesced around Tom Perez. He won. And uh, a lot of people are calling this a sign that the uh, DNC is going to keep losing. Basically.
3: Well, let me ask you guys something. Do you guys think that Donald Trump has disrupted Washington the way you know Uber disrupted the taxi industry? Do you think he's completely changed what it, you know just the culture of Washington and how to get ahead in Washington? And do no. you think that this new chair? is gonna be able to adapt to um just the new, you know, Trump's Washington. Okay, so we have Trump's two
4: America. You
2: know, we have two questions then.
4: Um I think that it was a bellwether. The um the difference between Keith Ellison and uh Tom Perez is a bunch of operatives in my opinion. Um like Keith Ellison will come with his and th- Tom Perez will come with his and Keith Ellison's will largely be from the Bernie Sanders movement and Uh, Tom Perez's will largely be from the Hillary Clinton campaign. That would be what would that would be predictable. Um, Tom Perez needs to be unpredictable and he needs to, I don't, I don't see it as like a, see, I just, I just don't see in my opinion and I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to be rigid. So just in for context, Tom Perez asked for every single staffer at the DNC's resignation Uh, Effective April fifteenth. So yeah, what's that about? Why? Because he's he's, well, it's it's a symbolic thing. He's making a mistake, in my opinion. In some cases, because there are a couple of departments within the DNC that are absolutely essential and are absolutely neutral um, in terms of like like the opposition research. If you don't have the librarians that are keeping this mega library together, um, like if you fire them, then you just have like people walking into like the stacks, you know, to find they don't have any process, they don't have any, um, um, they don't have any knowledge of how to like how these things were created and why they're reliable. Um, so Hillary's team, for example, like, you know, when when, when they started, when they, Bernie's team and Hillary's team, I think a good way to think of them, like, um, is that, and, and the, the analogy, like in my sense would be TV booking, uh, Bernie's team would agree to anything. They'd be like, yeah, sure. Like, you know, like uh, Brett Bayer called or Megan Keller or whoever, like, um, yeah, sure. We'll do that show. Uh, and then they just wouldn't get back to you, you know? Um, and in some cases they would even like call like an hour later and be like, Oh, I'm so sorry. We're just like getting a cab from dinner, you know, or from the airport or from wherever. Cause they were all really busy, but they had no concept of logistics. Um, and uh, in, 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 in something like, you know, a major television segment or something like that. Um, you need to be on time. It's live TV. Another issue that Bernie Sanders people had from where I sat, um, was that they didn't use their women on the broadcast, you know, um,
0: no, I,
4: well they they, <laughs> they 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 had jeff weaver um and bernie bernie's amazing stage presence um jeff weaver was like he became a decent talking head every once in a while michael briggs would go out there but, but okay, what just about
2: to, just to cut in really quick so you're talking about like kind of like the logistics behind each person's campaign but we're talking about substantively like tom mm-hmm. perez is more along the sort of establishment dem hillary line and keith ellison represents the more progressive line Just about that in terms of messaging, it seems like young people, whatever, the base is more rallied and more excited by kind of the Keith Ellison, Bernie realm than the Perez Clinton. Not about, you know, who's booking people or like logistically getting things right. But from that point of view, like, do you think it's a mistake? That clearly, like, this progressive messaging is working, is exciting people, and they keep kind of just being like, eh, we're not going to go that way.
4: I prefer Tom Perez to Keith Ellison um, overall, like, pound for pound. Um, He has less Washington stink in him, and he doesn't have uh, uh, a—I mean, Keith Ellison said he was going to step down uh, from his congressional seat if he won the DNC chair race. Um, but that's, you know, th- th- how does that work? Does it happen right away? Like, are we going to be waiting another six months for him to like, ha- hand, for him to handle his local politics race or his, his local congressional seat race and hand it off to his anointed successor? And then he's it's still home, you know, like he's, he still has to kind of like manage that guy up through Congress. Um, so that he doesn't come, come, uh, come, you know, if Tom, if, if, if Keith Ellis, him being a Congress person basically makes him a liability. It's, it's, it's a liability. <laughs> Um, and I don't like that. So yeah. I was never in favor of having Keith Ellison out there. I was much more in favor of having a completely new face. Um, so not
3: Tom Perez no, either. Yeah, not Tom yeah. You know, Donald Trump really he totally revolutionized campaign communications. He was tweeting himself. Um, you know, so more, more importantly, I mean, can Tom Perez keep up? You know, Donald Trump really has disrupted Washington. This is a new Washington.
2: Well, I think yeah. he's disrupted, not he necessarily disrupted Washington, campaign camp- maybe campaign communications.
3: Um, I think that the entire, I mean, the entire process, in and, and so many ways, he, he really disrupted it. Um, will Tom Perez be able to keep up? You know, and at the end of the day, you know, Donald Trump... Is a reality TV star. He's somebody who really understands social media. He's very well adapted to the times. Do you think that, you know, Tom Perez is the right person to adapt to Trump's, you know, Trump's Washington?
4: I think that, like, no, yes, no, no, right now I don't actually because um, <laughs> he is asking for the resignation of his opposition research team. So you can't have communications team. like The DNC is part electoral infrastructure, but mostly, especially when like, you know, uh, in downtime and in down cycles and in di- in down cycle years, it's just an attack dog. You know, it buries Republicans for doing stupid stuff. Um, so it, absent that, Republicans like, you know, throughout the country have been able to run like roughshod over transgender rights and stuff like that, these, these niche issues that, we should be able to just like paint their whole party in that corner forever, um, but it's been an empty seat since uh, Debbie stepped down, and we've just kind of been in transition. Because anytime you have an interim, anything in this town, it basically means wars. You
3: also, you also worked on the Obama campaign.
4: Yeah.
3: Um, so one of the things that really set that campaign apart, especially in 2008, was the use of social media, and just how well adapted the Obama campaign was. In comparison to you know its competitors, and it's it's interesting obviously that Donald Trump was sort of the more well adapted in this round. Um, so moving forward, you know what is the what does the future look like?
4: So Tom Perez, in my opinion, and again he has a he has a much greater scope of responsibility than I have expertise to talk about it holistically, um, but. From the perspective of an opposition press operation, which is specifically what I worked in at the DNC, I think I can speak intelligently on that, Um, he has some very powerful, compelling local voices and local stories that he can deploy. Um, immediately, like effective today, to build the kind of spokespeople that can. That, you're asking about, like, you know, Donald Trump has changed the game. Donald Trump has elevated a bunch of reality TV stars to be political pundits, and in response, Democrats have 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 they've been trying to elevate people who nobody wants to watch on TV. Like, if you look at like the Hillary and the Bernie people, like it's just like the people who are on TV for them were like they used to be a White House such and such official, or they used to work here, or, they used to work there, and it's like great, you know, like. Amarosa used to be on The Apprentice and <laughs> Ka- Katrina Pearson. Who knows where she came from? And they were awesome on TV. Did they tell the truth? No, but did we talk about them all day long? Yes, and you know what we weren't talking about all day long? Hope and change and Hillary Clinton and all this other stuff. By the end of the campaign, we were just numb to Donald Trump's obscenity well, and completely ignoring seemed... anything substantive that Hillary was saying. So if Tom Perez is gonna compete in that environment, he needs spokespeople. Oh. And those spokespeople wait, need so to be what hard. Wait, 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 wait.
0: What did Hillary Clinton say that was substantive? That's
2: a thing, like I was just gonna say, like I don't Nobody feel like knows. Exactly and I don't even think that what would... they were just spending well, their whole time. Thing that
3: came up, you know, in especially in your emails during the WikiLeaks, was that um, like Donald
4: Trump would set the news cycle every day? Every day, and, and when you're a TV guy, that is the most frustrating thing. But in the okay, world. so
2: even if Hillary people were setting the news cycle, like what was her messaging? And I think that was where they really fell flat. It was like where, it where, and what was the messaging? The mes- because you said hope changed, and we can all say that in so two look, seconds but, for Obama, but for Hillary, what what was she? What well. did she stand for?
4: I mean, I was not a Hillary Clinton like operative. I never. I I did. I worked for Hillary Clinton. But from a media booking as,
2: perspective, like, did you feel uh, like they were getting a coherent message out, even like beyond not beating I, the news cycle? I
4: honestly never worried about that. My only thing was just making sure that the negoti- that the segment was negotiated, that the um, booking was honored, and that everybody was on time. Um, but no, I don't think that the Hillary Clinton campaign had a good message because I have no idea what it was. Right. I'm a Democrat, and I was like watching TV all day long every day. it was just a bunch of trump people talking about hillary clinton in their context you know so donald trump like created Hillary Clinton the same way he created Amorosa. By the end of like the election, yeah, true cricket Hillary. Like, yeah, like he, he, <laughs> like her end brand, her end brand during the election was as much attributable to Donald Trump or as Donald Trump was. Yeah, as responsible I mean for he's amazing as he was at for that. You have to give him that. Yeah, he's lion 10. Yeah. yeah, he's you
2: know, amazing really, at the he's good at branding. branding. <laughs> so I'm gonna circle back really quickly to our immigration. Of one last question, I think then we're gonna move on to Drew, just asking him a few questions, but. um, so the, you were talking about the ICE raids, and this is another question I had, because in the wake of like Trump's presidency, all of these statuses were going up, like ICE checkpoint here, ICE checkpoint at this street, and like it made it seem like all of a sudden it was like this surge in act- ICE activity. Yeah. Is that an awesome. accurate perception? It's what? an
4: accurate perception, but it's not an accurate pronunciation of ICE. <laughs> sorry, 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 sorry ICE.
1: <laughs> 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 Whatever, um, sorry. Um,
4: yeah, so Immigrations and Customs and Enf- uh, Enforcement are this cowboy agency of, like, you know, sort of in Washington, they walk around as if they were at the Siege of Karbala, but these are people who, like, break into best Westerns and slap hotel maids around and take them away from their children so in the middle of the day. So twisted. So that's the reality of what we pay for with our taxpayer dollars. But my know?
2: point is, was this happening before, or did it really surge when Trump came to office?
4: It surged away from the border, and that's oh, the, okay. that's the key distinction, is that uh, deportations are going from something Americans heard about to something that they see in their neighborhoods. And the visual of deportations, especially a deportation raid, is one of the sickest things imaginable. It's a, and it's sort of like when Black Lives Matter started, mm-hmm. there was some like, reasonable skepticism if you didn't live in a community that had diversity um, about this conflict between unarmed black men and police officers. The same can be said about immigration raids in the sense that when ICE takes the best Western maid by the hair and drags her out of their uh, America, he claims that she was a gang member. He claims that she was a drug dealer. He claims that she was somehow affiliated with evil. And we know as like, a community of immigrants that that's absolutely untrue. These people are lying. ICE lies. That's all they do. So Black Lives Matter adapted by using things like Facebook Live, by using like a lot of different and by rapidly being able to organize huge marches to defend, to, to stand up for like, one family who just lost their son you know um we haven't done that yet but we also operate under a different circumstance because after an ice raid happens you can't have all these immigrants who are undocumented out protesting in the streets because that's where ice will go to detain them the most horrifying thing i've I've never been as affected by an immigration case I saw on TV than the one after he was elected when there was this young lady named Daniela Vargas in Mississippi and she came home and her parents had been detained and put into deportation proceedings. So she had a press conference with I think United We Dream. And she walked out of the press conference, like literally walked out of the door into a cage. Um, Like they like rounded her up um, like, you know, an animal and put her in a cage for like a month. Uh, she was she is 25 years old. she's been since been released. but the idea that you can't turn to the police because you're undocumented and the police might detain you for your immigration status if you don't live in a sanctuary city. Now you can't turn to the media uh, uh, media either. I'll say this and this is newsworthy actually. Um, I had two undocumented immigrants booked. On major cable television that day, that Daniela Vargas uh, went in, mm-hmm. and both of the undocumented immigrants canceled. Now, if there's one thing that the WikiLeaks made me famous for was I did not tolerate cancellations under any circumstances. Um, but no, I at the end encouraged them to cancel because it was irresponsible for us to put them on TV. Now, if they can't be represented, these are dreamers. These aren't. Um, the hotel maids. these are kids with college degrees, uh, who just want to be able to get a job legally in their field, like engineering mm-hmm. or whatever, uh, or theater or whatever, like, you know, hotel maintenance, like whatever it is, they're contributing. Um, but that kept me up like nights, uh, like literally when she was detained, because like in what I do, everything gets frozen out. Uh, if you can't have the primary source if the perspective, of the person who's actually affected, um, like by, uh, by these Gestapo tactics, mm-hmm. um, can't. Go on and defend her family, and can't go on. Then we're we're we're, we're screwed. And so I think that my and my advice ever since the Danielle Vargas cases with the Immigration and Customs Enforcement is that it's up to citizens like me. I was I'm a born citizen of the United States of America. I have zero jurisdiction when it comes to dealing with me, and they do not want to deal with me. So. We need to get their names. We need to get them on camera. We need every immigration attorney in the country who's dealing with a case like this where ICE is saying that these people are evil mm. to show what happened when they went to these people's houses. Right. You know? Um, so we need the same instinct that did Diamond... Yeah. Sorry,
1: did you hear the story about this woman who voted for Trump? and then ha- In Indiana? And, 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 yes. And then had her husband deported. They, they, that, that ICE came to their house and basically took away her her husband and uh she was like no no I'm really I feel sorry that I I voted for him and it's um it's been happening increasingly I feel there was another case also of this community where the restaurant owner he was he was he was an amazing uh contribution to the community he helped out people he he basically was so involved and was such a good man and then when the predominantly that town had voted for Trump and when ice came to detain him and to deport him, they were shocked shocked that this happened so this this they're not people are not aware of what what it means when Trump says these you know hombres that you know we have yeah. to get rid of them so it's just
4: i was i thought it was one of the most interesting yeah i somebody sent that to me, and I kind of i kind of skimmed over it like a man in the a restaurant owner in Indiana. Uh, Indiana being another case like what we're talking about here, where you didn't typically get deportations, like or raids. You know, people weren't typically detained in places like Indiana uh, as much, you know, as much as we're seeing now. But yeah, that 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 they had voted for Trump was one of the most absurd things I'd ever heard. Like, it almost made me just want to be like, okay, like by then, like are you are you, are you crazy? Like, did he really think that Donald Trump was going to be the kind of man who would? Uh, somehow make America better for him, based on the rhetoric of his campaign, like based on what he said. And you know, I think that we, and as Hispanics, I think that there's certainly a lot, le- like a level of bravado in Hispanic culture where it's just sort of like your, ma- you know, your word is your bond. And to have an idiot like that, like say, well, he's not, you know, he's just saying that he wants to build a wall and like rip my family apart. But what he really means is he wants to make America great again. I heard that I- so many
1: times during the campaign. Oh, he's not really going to do all these yeah. things. Well, guess what
4: and now he's doing it and so people like that I mean I don't, I don't care I, I, they, but you know what sadly
1: yeah. I feel like
2: to a lot of people that would be like oh that's a good thing he's doing what he's saying he's not just a politician yeah, that's the sad that well. part about that yeah you
4: know? I guess but if we go back to what we were saying before about Tom Price like he can't do it on his like Donald, like, Donald you Imagine like a, a debate between Donald Trump and Tom, Tom Price or Tom sorry Tom Perez, Perez. Like, Tom uh, <laughs> sorry that's a, a different guy um, but but uh, yeah, it, 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 you shouldn't think of them as a head-to-head matchup. Um, we need an Omarosa to his amarosa. We need, like, uh, um, a Stephen Miller to a Stephen Miller. Like, we need it so that, like, when Democrats are on TV or when the opposition, when the resistance or the opposition or whatever is on TV. I have,
0: wait, I, I have a nominee for the...
2: Stephen Miller to the Stephen Miller? For, yeah.
0: Well, for the Democratic Omarosa. Who? <laughs> Duray McKesson, obviously. Oh. oh!
2: Okay, okay. So, <laughs> last question. Really quickly, we're moving into yeah. D-Ray. So, last um, question. Wait, no, wait, Karina, hold oh. on. We're going to move into D-Ray really quick. Oh. Giro, no, 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 last you're...
3: question for, oh, for him. Oh, okay, okay. So, what did Donald Trump have, since you're a TV person, you book people on TV, uh, what did Donald Trump have that, you know, nobody really in the DNC seems to have? You know, what qualities does he have? In terms of reaching out to people, getting them to follow him. What, what does he have that...
4: Shamelessness.
3: <laughs> and more
4: than anything, I think that, you know, I the refreshing moments in the Democratic Party of 2015, 2016 were when people um, finally had enough. Um You know, like you were saying, it's a very discreet place. It's a very secretive place and that we got WikiLeaks, you know, and it was not anything that any of us wanted. And now we're dragged out into a narrative that's going to take years and years to resolve about whether it was Vladimir Putin who gave our emails to Julian Assange, who gave it to like whoever. Um, But now that we do know what went on inside, um, I think it's important for like future generations of operatives to like recognize what they're there to do, which is to win elections, period. Uh, and be shameless about it, be ruthless about it. Because I don't think that Donald Trump is ruthless. I think he's shameless. I think there's a difference there. You know, I think that Steve Bannon is ruthless. I think that even Reince Priebus is ruthless. But I don't think that Donald Trump has what it takes to be ruthless. Like, honestly, um, he's just shameless. He wants to be as loud and as visible as he can be. Um, But when it comes to making that difficult decision that executives, like actual executives have to make, uh, he doesn't have it. And that's been obvious since the beginning of his presidency. I hope that Tom Perez does have that ruthlessness, though.
2: I mean, just from the tweet he sent back after Donald Trump was like, I'm so happy for Tom Perez and the DNC, like basically saying this means another like four years of victory for me. And then Tom Perez tweeted back some kind of lame shit. I'm like, this guy, I don't think he's got what it
4: Well, so what he tweeted back was, call me Tom. Like, I I remember that was in the tweet. Yeah, it was just kind
2: of, like, nerdy. But but
4: as a a Democrat who is used to calling, like, the chair chair and the sub-chair chair, chair, you know, I would just call people, like, by their handler. I didn't like to talk to principals until it was, like, time to, you know, uh, actually put them on. Um, But the informality of call me Tom is just... Refreshing. I, I mean, again, like I didn't support him during the chair race. Now that he's there, I want him to succeed. Yeah. I thought that that was a good response to Donald Trump. Like when Donald Trump puts you in the spotlight for a hot second, like he did with the Women of the USHC. But that's what I mean. Tyler like Roger. he puts you in
2: the hot spotlight for a hot mm-hmm. second. Like go, go hard. Like go real, especially in this particular climate.
4: Yeah, I mean, he could have called him a chicken fucker, and I would have gotten him a lot more retweets. But, <laughs> um, but at the same time, he has to do what's uh, he has to do what's becoming of the you know whatever his office, which is why he needs five amorosas and a Katrina uh, and like an Eric Dean and everybody, you know, a Stephen Miller and everybody else who's just shameless um, uh, with the mes- with the message, whatever that message ends up being.
0: Awesome.
3: I Feel like well, so. Let's uh, let's move on well, now.
0: More of this episode of The Swamp coming soon. Anything I want, I
3: want you
1: people jerks, you suck. Look, I think I heard enough. I said I, I said I feel like Donald Trump.